It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and in Washington, D.C., and this is news that you can use from Courage with your host, Zach, the good-looking guy, and, well, me, the old guy. How are you today, good-looking guy? <laughs> old, old can still look good, Dad. I don't know why you're saying that. i got to get a second light here, but we will worry about that later, Dad. The UAW strike is going to have impacts on the used car market, and heck, it might be happening already. Dad, we are going to kick today's show off with the latest used car market data. We have data both from Black Book and from Mannheim Auctions. I will pull them both up on the screen and we shall review them. Before we do, yes. I want to simply comment. Ford is seemingly in trouble more than Stellantis and Chevy or General Motors. Um, with regards to the strikes, Unifor, the Canadian organization, the labor organization up in Canada, threatening to strike just Ford. I don't know if you saw that this morning, but it seems like Ford is going to be in especially deep trouble if they do not secure a new deal with Unifor. Did you see that? Well, and also, I you should come up, Dad. Come up a little. And and I and I also saw that Unifor said that they were going to delay going on strike for 24 hours because, well, they were making progress. So. You know, take take from that whatever you you will. Um, yeah, I think you know it's a negotiation and it takes time. And you know, we're we're talking about automobile manufacturers who have franchise dealers, and those franchise dealers have taught the automobile manufacturers how you can stretch out a negotiation process when it comes to selling a car. So, so they're probably using those very same tactics with with their unions that they're negotiating with to stretch this out for a while. My best guess is still 10 to 14 days. You know, the, the, the strike started uh, Friday. It's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. They are making progress. Um, different proposals are being um, uh, put together and handed out. So, you know, it takes a while. You know, <clears throat> it's not the type of thing that just happens like that. That's the way cars should be sold. But <laughs> union negotiations don't happen like that. Let's talk about the potential implications on used car prices, Dad. We have the latest data, the market insights from BlackBook just this morning. And at the same exact time, we have the latest data from Cox Automotive yeah. from Mannheim. As well. So let's start here, Dad. The market insights dated 919. That is yes. today, folks. Yes. Overall market declines continued to exceed traditional seasonability, seasonality, excuse me, last week, but auction activity at the end of the week increased as the UAW began their strike. Let's let's uh, jump back to 2019. The impact of the strike on the used car market will depend on the duration. In 2019, the last time there was a UAW strike, it was short in duration. The market already had a surplus of new inventory, so there was little to no impact on used vehicle values. However, this time around, the supply levels were just getting back to a, quote, normal level after the pandemic. So an extended strike could push used car prices up in the short term. That being said, Dad, yes. week over week, we saw another 0.73% decline in wholesale values. That is significant when the normal amount of depreciation would be 0.17. Go for it. And, it. and it is significant, especially when you sent me an email and said, I'm confused. And, and, and the reason you were confused is that Black Book shows the market down almost three quarters of a point. And Cox Automotive is suggesting, well, that the market's up about a point and a half in the first two weeks of September. So you have two 
two competing resources, um, and they have diametrically opposed outcomes. One says, oh, uh, values have gone up one and a half percent. One says um, that over the past two weeks, values have gone down about uh, 1.25%. Can't be both, okay, or, or perhaps it can. And here's why it can. All right, I like this. You had no idea where I was going. But, but the reason it can is because Cox Automotive only uses data from their Mannheim auctions, which represents the sales of about 55% of all vehicles that are wholesaled. So they base all their um, extrapolations just on the 55% of sales that they're involved with. Black Book, on the other hand, tracks 95% of all the wholesale activities across the industry. Well, that extra 40% of sales might actually give you a much clearer picture and a much more complete picture as to what's happening because they're only missing 5% of all wholesale transactions, whereas Cox is missing nearly, I don't know, 45%. So that's how both can be true. I'm jumping back in though, Pops, because if what you just said is the case, then that would indicate that we are seeing wholesale prices appreciate significantly at the Mannheim auctions. Mannheim, yes. And then we are seeing significant material declines in prices at all of the other auctions out there, Edessa and all the other independents of Black Book tracks. Either way, Dad, no matter how you slice it, if the UAW strike goes on for a longer period of time than you're anticipating, it will increase used car prices. Like that, that I feel like is pretty well and understood. Yes. If the UAW strike continues on and there is our supply implications on the new car side, used car prices, just like during the chip shortage, will go back up. Maybe the Mannheim auctions are a better leaning indicator of that already, or maybe we'll see this pick up in the Black Book data next week. Like I anticipate wholesale prices go back up. But how? How can you base what the market is doing on slightly more than 50% of market sales? Okay. Yeah, Steve Richards in the house. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I, but, but, but please, how can that be? You know, you, you, you need to be drawing conclusions from a larger source. Not just 50% of all those transactions or 55% of those transactions, but but 95%. I think that gives you a clear understanding as to what's going on. Now, having said that, yeah, apparently, if you if you're going to um Mannheim, you're gonna pay more if you're a dealer trying to buy cars than if you're going to some of these other auctions. That that part seems apparent to me, um, but I I've always said that I would go with what Black Book says, simply because they have their fingers on the pulse of ninety five percent. I get it. I get it. You sound like a Black Book uh, 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 fanboy today, but well, I you don't know. Why. You don't. You, you have no idea how big a check they send me every month. I know they don't send you any checks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, I was just planting a seed. 
<laughs> All right. Well, here is the wholesale outlook from our friends over at Blackbook. And then, as you all know, we are going to actually do an experiment. And this ties in with Rob's question right here. How many yes. cars at the auctions went unsold? I've heard the volume is way down. Lots of sellers unwilling to lower prices and few buyers with limited floor capital. Well, Rob, here you go. The actual sales rate this past week skyrocketing to 51%. So still half of the cars that go to the dealer auctions are not selling. Half of the cars that make it across the lane are not selling. The reason they won't sell is because the floor prices, what the seller wants the vehicle to transact for, are not being reached. So we're still seeing that happen, but they are ticking up, I guess is the right way to describe it. And you'd imagine yeah, they will yeah. continue to go up if the UAW strike is prolonged. It's it's certainly up from when it was at 47 or 48 percent but it's still you know just about half of all the used cars that are available at the auction are still not selling and and that's at all auctions that's not just at Mannheim. need to say that Dad, let's do an experiment. I have this 2019 GMC Yukon that Carvana very graciously is tracking the value of for me. $42,878 is what Carvana is offering. They say this vehicle has gone up in value a little over $1,000 in the past month. So what did I do, Dad? I went to CarEdge.com. $1,047 in a month. That's pretty good. It's huge, man. So I went yeah. to CarEdge.com slash sell. I've plugged it in here. Let's see what the offers are from the network. I am very curious if this is a leading indicator of what's going on in the wholesale markets. Are, are, are these dealers, are they looking at Mannheim data or are they looking at Black, Black Book data? Let's see. What do you think? I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think it'll be more or less than the Carvana offer from other dealers out there? I think it'll be less. You think it'll be less? You think Carvana is going to be the high bid here, a thousand dollars in appreciation in one month? Yes, I, I think I think it'll be materially higher. You, you think Carvana? Yeah, I think yeah, by by probably at twelve to fifteen hundred bucks. All right, let's see, let's see, let's see. It is pretty quick. There you go. $43,120. Just to put it back up on the screen, Carvana is at $42,878. So we are already in room here at $37,000. Wrong again. Here I am. Wrong again. I sit here on a daily basis, and and I don't want to say you mock me, because you don't, don't really know. mock yeah. me, but, but you prove on, in certain cases that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I think, though, Dad, and we've yes. got Igor's comment right here. Dealers are looking at Mannheim prices internally and tracking data so they can make intelligent offers. Cox does. We should be very yes. clear. Cox has a monopoly over the dealer um, you know, software space. And so a lot of dealers are likely talking to their V Auto reps and looking at this type of headline, wholesale used vehicle prices increase in the first half of September. Thus, the reason, I mean, to be very clear, Car Gurus doesn't actually buy cars they have like a dealer network yes. that they wholesale to so like car gurus is coming out and having a more competitive offer than even carvana here they're yes. reading they're reading the Mannheim data they're reading the data that says used car prices are going back up again and, and they're and, paying an arm and a leg to buy yes. used cars and number two is five thousand dollars less than 6, what carvana's dollars. offer was yeah, yeah, five thousand less than Carvana's offer, and six thousand less yeah. than Carguru's offer. That's, so, what do you? That's what do you pretty do you, widespread. I mean, you know, I, I realize used car values are subjective, 
Okay. Um, you know, one used car manager can look at a car and say, well, based on our history with those type of cars at our dealership, where everyone we've ever had has become an aged unit and I've had to wholesale it at a loss. Well, that used car manager is going to be very conservative with the amount of money that he puts into the trade in order to trade it. Now, you can go to another dealership selling a different product, and that used car manager looks at it and goes, my gosh, every time we've had one of these, we've sold it in less than 20 days, and we've made a huge profit on them. Well, that... That dealer, that used car manager is going to pay considerably more to get his hands on the car or the vehicle because he knows historically that's a good mover for him. So wholesale values like this are entirely subjective to what's going on at particular dealerships. Definitely. And also we're going to see regional trends emerge as well. But again, the the overarching story here is if the UAW strike continues and becomes prolonged, that will increase used car values. Again, we had actually had a period of time there where it didn't really make sense to trade in your car. Like wholesale values were plummeting trade in values. This was only like a month ago. Trading values were falling like a rock, man, like Mm -hmm. an anchor. Now they're going back up. It seems a little bit. The trade in values seem to be going back up. The black book data uh, obviously suggests wholesale values are going down. The Cox automotive data suggests wholesale values are going up. I think if the UAW strike is prolonged, prolonged meaning more than a couple of weeks, okay, we will see used car prices go back up. So, so when you say more than a couple of weeks, are you talking three weeks? Are you talking five weeks? You know, two weeks. I think we are two weeks away. I think next week's man, excuse me, next week's black book um, update will start to show like zero percent change week over week in wholesale values, and then I think the week after that it'll show like a quarter of a percent appreciation and half a percent and three fourths a percent. Like that's that's what I anticipate happening here if the UAW strike is prolonged. And and, and I gotta say, you know, um, the black book data that came out today, okay, um, the strike started Friday, Friday at yeah. midnight, okay, but, you know, twelve oh one a.m. Friday. And and we're already seeing an impact at the auctions. What the hell are you talking about? It was one flipping day. It was Friday. Okay, we don't we don't re- you know. And, and I'm not taking a shot at Black Book, who's not sending me a check every month. But but my goodness gracious, how can you come to that conclusion based on one stinking lousy day? Really? Come on. Come on, man. Um, You know, I I think part of it is a supposition. I hear you, Pops. I guess, yes. I hear you loud and clear. Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about a new data set that just came out yesterday. Dad, we were talking about auto loan delinquencies. Well, we got more confirmation that the trends are true. This data that you are looking at on the screen, this comes from Experian. They released their Q2 Uh, state of the automotive finance industry. And look at this on the screen. Delinquencies rise past pre-COVID levels. The severe delinquency rate is up to 0.94% that they have over 60-day delinquent. The prior high was 0.79. We have 2.72% of balances delinquent over 30 days, up from 2.65. So we have even more data that suggests the auto loan 
delinquency, apocalypse, whatever the hell you want to call it, is continuing to proliferate and grow within the market. I found this to be interesting. When this uh, this actually showed up in my email inbox just this morning, a couple of hours ago. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we know it. It's it's still. Oh, people are going to get mad at me when I say this, but it's still negligible in the yeah. grand scheme of things. Um, you know, we, we, you mostly, we, we like to ascribe greater importance to this stuff than probably actually exists. Um, because that way it fits the narrative of our, of our thumbnails and our headlines. Um, but it's, you know, yes, the, the, the data is moving in the wrong direction, but it's not moving in the, in the wrong direction at, at such warp speed that it means that much. Okay. The bigger issue is the cost to finance for most yeah. people today. That's the bigger issue. It's, it's, you know, the average interest rate on a used car loan today is over 13%. That's an issue, okay? The the other issue is the lack of quality used cars that are less than $20,000. That's Look at this as an well. issue. Look at this as well, Pops. You have the loan-to-value ratios. The current loan-to-value ratios for used cars is still, this is the Experian data, 113 percent down from 120 percent but still 113 percent so banks are still when they are writing these auto loans yes. still lending above the actual value of the vehicle yeah but but if you look at that it is less than what it was in quarter two of 2022 and Definitely. less than what it was in quarter two of 2021 yep. okay so that indicates to me that yes these banks in, understand that delinquency rates are up a tick, not warp speed stuff, but up a tick, and so that they have adjusted their uh, loan-to-finance ratio, loan-value ratios that they're willing to finance for. So you can see it. They're, they're making adjustments. Look at it broken down by credit criteria, Dad. They're actually making the biggest adjustments against Super Prime over here. There's an eight and a quarter percent decline in LTV for Super Prime, but only a four and a quarter decline for Deep Subprime. I just find that to be interesting. Well, well, the difference would be, and this is just this is just a guess. Yeah. What the difference would be is that the Super Prime customer actually has money to put down, okay, and doesn't want to finance as much money as they possibly can at that higher interest rate. So they are, they are putting a larger amount down, which would lower the amount uh, that they're financing against the value of the vehicle. That's why, okay, um, because, well, they're smarter than the rest of us. They, they realize it, it, it doesn't make sense to be paying nine, 10, you know, if they, they might qualify for 8% finance, well, you know, still, they don't want to be paying 8% to finance it. So they put more cash down and so do the prime buyers. Um, yeah, I get that, it. that I think is the reason why you have to look. Sometimes you have to look a little deeper at some of these statistics and try and figure out why they would be the way that they are. No, I hear what you're saying. It is still 
fascinating to look at the trends oh. that we are seeing and the Experian data is just another, I mean, it's one of the big three for, for credit bureaus. So it's like, oh, yes. no matter where you look, the trends are pretty, they're, they're pretty obvious. Deb, let's come here to the chat for a quick moment and then let's do our favorite segment of the show. Unless you had something. Uh, no, that sounds good. From Joel, used my car edge subscription to help my mom get a fair, get a used car this last weekend, $20,900 for a 2014 Kia Sorento with $37,000 and a few, or 37,000 miles, miles. and a few hundred off of fair price. Crazy. I was getting two-year-old cars under $20,000 four years ago. The, the variability, well, good for you, Joel, and, and glad that we were able to help. The variability in used car prices, how high they still are, is insane. Like, yes. like even just reading this, knowing that someone went, went worked with us, got a fair deal, it's still just hard to wrap your head around fair being a twenty-one thousand dollar purchase price for a twenty fourteen vehicle. That's why. Well, and and on top of it, a twenty fourteen Kia. Kia. Um, you know that that vehicle in twenty fourteen, um, you know, was what thirty thousand dollar vehicle? Yeah, maybe, maybe, and and. And so today to have to pay twenty one thousand for it, and it's nine years old. Yes, it only has thirty seven thousand miles on it. I get it. It's a unicorn. You know, the dealership that had it probably paid a lot to get it because, yep. well, it was a unicorn, and you could turn around to whoever want to buy it and say, "Yeah, well, you go out there and try and find another with thirty seven thousand miles on a nine year old car." Um, but yeah, the the. I'm glad we were able to help, but it still seems out of whack to me. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. But again, we ran that GMC earlier and there was a $6,000 spread in in values that folks were willing to pay for trade-ins. There's a huge amount of variance and variability right now in the used car market. It does feel... I'm just calling it right now. I think over the next couple of weeks, again, if UAW strike is prolonged, it's going to feel like it did during chip shortage, chip Like. Why are prices going up so fast? Why are prices going down so fast? Just lots of volatility, lots well, of opportunities for arbitrage um, in the used car market. Well, you, you just said something that we haven't seen happen. Why are prices going down so fast? We haven't seen prices going down quickly. They were. They were. A month ago, they were. They had been for, on, for on, weeks on, on what? On trade-ins. Oh, oh was that, I thought you meant on retail. Retail prices have been pretty, pretty Stable. firm. Pretty yeah. firm. Yeah. Yes. Let's do our favorite segment of the show, Pops. Uh, really? You got to be kidding me. What All right. I was. Con- me, what are you going to get me worked up over today? I was contemplating leading off today's show with this, but saved it for here instead. Dad, 1.3 million Ford vehicles <laughs> are being recalled. Yeah. So, yeah. What are, what like are you Ford, I want to be clear. So Ford had yeah. this recall. This is, yes. this is becoming a pattern. There were 1.3 million Ford Focus sedans that had been recalled. And then Ford implemented a fix. Yes. And now NHTSA is coming back and opening an investigation into whether the fix actually fixed what was recalled. Like, ah, here, so, here's so, more of the details. All So what, yeah. what are, you, are, are you suggesting that the fix wasn't a fix, that the fix was like a Band-Aid to say, hey, we got a fix, um, when when there really was no fix, and, and now they... They want to look at it again and and maybe uh, force them to uh, well come up with a real fix. What a unique way of doing business if you're Ford. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you, you know, people get mad at us 
they think, oh, we have it out for Toyota and we have it out for Ford. Um, I don't know that we have it out for either one of them. But what I do know is that if, as a manufacturer, you don't take that portion of your job seriously enough to create quality products to the point where for the last three years of running, you have led the industry in recalls and the amount of recalls and the amount of vehicles that have been recalled. And you lead by not a little bit, but by a lot of bit, then that that just seems to indicate to me that at, at the upper management level, all you ever do is give this lip service. You really are not committed to solving any of these issues. It has you have decided in, in a business case that it is cheaper for you to deal with it like this than it is to correct the issue before it becomes an issue. And and that that is why I'm hard on Ford at times. It's it's not like we've seen improvement over the last three years based on the amount of recalls that they've had. Um, so that it just, as a consumer, I just get sick and tired of listening to CEOs and corporate talking heads talking crap, okay, spewing forth nothing but corporate speak about how they want to improve things when in fact they don't. And when given the opportunity to, they choose not to. That's that's why I'm on Ford's ass. That's the only reason why I'm on Ford's ass. They could be and should be better than that. And why they choose not to be is a question that their shareholders should probably pose to the upper management team, starting with Mr. Farley, and ask that question. And I'm done with my with my. Thoughts. The interesting thing here that I find to be kind of damning about this is this is the second what's called a recall query so again there's been lots of recalls i mean you can see it right here so far this year ford has issued 44 recalls the most of any automaker affecting more than 4.6 million vehicles but read the line just above it the latest ford probe comes after nitsa in august so just last month said it was investigating the automakers handling of a june 2022 recall of nearly 50,000 ford mustang Machis after new reports of power loss so this is the second recall that had been addressed by Ford that has now led to a probe or a query from the from NHTSA to make sure it actually addresses the situation. These are not normal headlines. Like no. recall headlines are very normal. Like let's be very clear about that. But queries into the effectiveness of recalls don't happen all that often. Back to back months Ford is dealing with this. It's not a good look. It's really not a good look. Um, I, I I would I would suggest other than having a model named the probe. Um, which Ford did have at one time. Did uh, really? Yes. As 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 a as a uh, as a manufacturer, the last thing you want to hear is that oh my, we're getting probed. Okay, it, it is it is they, it is just part and parcel of not giving a damn about the quality of the vehicles that you're building. You know, I, I joke often. The old tagline was. Um, you know, Ford where quality is job one. And I joke, no, it's Ford where quality is job none. Um, yeah. and, and they have proven it 
consistently, year over year, month over month. They don't care. They talk about it, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah, I, I can talk about stuff all day long. Do you, you know? think, do you think Farley lasts, Dad? Like, this is more like an overarching question. Like, do you think Farley lasts for that much longer? I mean, he's doing this EV revolution. They're losing lots of money on that. Like, what do you think actually happens? $12 billion. Okay. Even having lost $3 billion or whatever it was on the on the EV division. Um, you know, uh, allegedly they're, pro they're, they're more profitable than they have been. You know, publicity wise, they ain't getting the best publicity out there, but it does it doesn't seem to impact the loyal Ford buyers that are out there. Sure. That, yeah, that, you know, that just swear by Ford, regardless of regardless of the fact that they're on a first name basis with their service advisor because they're in the service department so often getting a recall handled. OK, that's. I don't want to know my service advisor. I don't want to be at the dealership that often that, you know, I can find out how his weekend was because <laughs> well, I was there on Wednesday and I'm back again on Tuesday. Um, you know, you, you, that, that's, that's not how a dealership wants to operate. And that damn well shouldn't be how a manufacturer decides to, to operate. But, that, but you, you can't draw any other conclusion that Ford doesn't care. I, I, there, there's the, the facts outweigh any BS that comes out of anybody's mouth in upper management at Ford. It, the facts speak for themselves. This is an interesting comment, and then we'll let you rest up. From Steve, is recall maybe the strategy to keep the dealer service lanes busy? You know, I, I got to tell you, dealers love recalls. Okay, the the manufacturer pays for the recall. Now, I will tell you that the that the warranty rate for labor is usually a little cheaper than than the standard labor rate for for a regular customer. So if it's one hundred and thirty five dollars an hour for a regular customer, the 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 warranty labor rate might be one hundred and twenty eight dollars or one hundred and twenty five dollars an hour. Okay, it's a little less, but my God, they when when you do a recall, the amount of time that they give you to do that recall is way more time than it takes a tech to actually do it. So there's huge money to be made. And even though they're losing four and a half billion dollars this year on the EV side of things, their checks to their dealers are still good. So that when they're sending their money to pay for those warranty claims, those checks cash, ladies and gentlemen. Dealerships love recalls. It's like it's almost like free money. Well said, Pops. Hey, we've got Jarrett, who I know, uh, Jarrett, you've been a longtime community member. I will pull the data because Jarrett's asking us a great question. I will pull this for tomorrow. Or maybe Jarrett, you can even help me out. My email is Zach, Z-A-C-H, at caredge.com. Recalls per units produced. That's a really great idea. We obviously from NHTSA, they put out how many vehicles are recalled, the total number of recalls. We have never looked at data for recalls per units produced. So I think that's a great idea, Jared. And Jared, if you're able to help me out with that, any of that analysis, send it over. Zach, Z-A-C-H at caredge.com and we will take a peek at it. Great point. Really appreciate it. Dad, yes. you go rest. 
I know. I just I like the fact that Jared just called my ass out. Okay, <laughs> Ray won't show the number. I, I didn't know what numbers you wanted me to show. Uh, but now that we know, Jared, we're we're going to try and get that information for you. How about that? Yeah, yeah. And we've got from Brayton. Wow, still mm-hmm. can't believe the legendary Steve Richard was in the chat room. Still can't. Believe. It was great to see Steve Richards. Yeah, no, I'm. In the know, chat. I, I was thrilled that he was there. Absolutely. We appreciate the com- the community on YouTube is incredible. So we are we're just like, so proud and passionate to be a part of it. That being said. Yes. We'll be back tomorrow. If we can uh, help you out with anything, go to caredge.com. That's where all the various tools, resources, all that fun stuff is. And Pop, seriously, go rest. Go okay. enjoy a, a restful afternoon, okay? I, I, that is my plan, and to be followed up with some chicken soup later on. Okay. Enjoy, Dad. Enjoy. Well, thank you so much. But we'll be back here, for those of you who can't wait, we'll be back here tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific time, 8 a.m. in Anchorage, 6 a.m. in Honolulu. And Zach, it looks like you wanted to add a different time zone. No, I should simply mention we are working on a new podcast. It'll be a Monday only podcast. And seeing Steve Richards in the chat made me think maybe he could possibly be a guest in the future. So just planting a seed, planting a seed, Steve, if you're still on the chat or Igor, we're probably going to reach out to you. It's going to be called Auto Insiders. Not probably going to reach out. We are definitely reaching out to Igor. Yes, it, it's called it. It will either be called Auto Insider Profiles or no, it's auto just insider. called Auto Insider. Just Auto Insider. I, I, Justice and I, I think, unless Justice, anyway, new show coming soon. Manila, midnight, tune in. See you then, Pops. Please, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>